and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to Phantoms and Monsters Radio, where we explore and discuss the unknown and the unexplained. I'm your host, Lon Stricker. Thanks for joining me. Now, the Phantoms and Monsters uh, radio channel is made possible by you liking, subscribing, and sharing our programming. Super Chat donations are essential for us to continue offering you your, our unique content, so your consideration is very much appreciated. So, uh, tonight's guest is Chad Lewis. Chad has traveled for the past 25 years, traveled the back roads of the world in search of the strange and unusual, from tracking vampires in Transylvania and searching for the elusive monster of Loch Ness to trailing the dangerous Tata Duende through remote villages of Belize and searching for ghosts in Ireland's haunted castle. Chad has scoured the earth in search of the paranormal. Now, Chad has been featured on the Discovery Channel's The Haunting, William Shatner's Weird or What, ABC's Scariest Places on Earth, and Monsters and Mysteries in America, along with being a frequent contributor on Ripley, believe it or not, radio. Uh, with a master's degree in psychology, Chad has authored over 25 books on the supernatural and extensively lectures on his fascinating findings. The more bizarre the legend, the more likely it is that you will find Chad there so chad thanks for joining me this evening hey nice to be back on the show greetings from the north woods of wisconsin <laughs> yeah you know uh wow you know in wisconsin you're in a great place because there's lots of stuff to find in wisconsin <laughs> it really is yeah it seems to be everywhere in this this state and such a great mix from cryptids to ufos crop circles hauntings you name it i mean you can't throw a rock in wisconsin without hitting a place that has a paranormal reputation oh absolutely lots of strangers out that way and uh you know of course with me being involved with all this stuff that's going on in and around chicago and the upper the upper midwest you know i find out more and more as i i venture with through you know some of the tales and the folklores and the legends that have come from that part of the country. It's uh, it's a mix. And, and I, I just appreciate there's someone like you to put it out there in the public forum. And uh, yeah, it's great to have you with us. And I love, I always thought that you could go to any like mid-sized city, 20,000 people and above, and probably spend an entire lifetime digging up legends just from that area. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're digging through the old newspaper accounts and they may not all be paranormal, they might be bizarre deaths and weird medical anomalies, but you find all these old stories that are just fascinating and it's everywhere. It's endless. Yeah. Yeah. And you've uncovered some really interesting ones in, over the years you've been doing this and uh, it's, we're much appreciative of it. Um, the book you wrote uh, last, I think you published it last May 2001. Uh, the supernatural dares of the Midwest curses, monsters, and ghosts. I, uh, you know, I asked you, I said, you know, look, you've written so much different stuff. You know, last time we talked about the Wendigos, and that book was fantastic. Now, you sent me this book. You said, well, let's talk about the supernatural dare. So let's do that. You know, after going through this book, the first thing, the one thing I'm thinking is, you know, there's three really creepy things about supernatural dares or legends and such in, in, in areas like the upper Midwest, but all over the country is like bridges on country roads freak me out. <laughs> Cemeteries that are forested over, which I've seen a lot of, and they're just creepy as hell to me. 
and cryptid legends in secluded areas. So this seemed to be the three areas that really get to me. I'm with you. People often ask if I ever get scared at these places. Mm -hmm. And my reply is, if you're not getting scared, you're not trying hard enough. These places are creepy. And what I love about the dares is that most of the people that have engaged in them are probably not diehard paranormal enthusiasts. You know, they're people that it's a rite of passage in their town, or it's just something they did as a test of bravery in high school that you'd all go out to the abandoned farm and see who could walk up the second floor. You know, so it's things that everybody has kind of done, but they didn't really know they were engaging in something that was, you know, for a lot of people, something of mishap, misfortune or death. And those are the stories I really like. When people send me something in for the blog, those are the ones I really, really perk my my ears up because you got the, um, you know, especially having to do with cemeteries and seeing certain creatures in cemeteries or these people that grab a Ouija board and go into the cemetery on a dare. I mean, it's like, you know, you know something's going to happen, you know, you know, or somebody's imagination is going to, go into high drive and something is definitely going to happen, you know? So, you know, but this book is fantastic. Got a lot of interesting things in it. I think a lot of the places, what fascinated me was that so many of them seem to be these portals or beacons or what John Keel would call window areas where Mm -hmm. you do get stories of a haunting, but you also have creatures there. You also have, you know, missing time or roads that seem to expand and contract on their own, all sorts of anomalies, all in this one spot. And you're right. You get a carload of your friends together. Something's bound to happen. Oh, you're right. You know, like there's, um, and, and there are, there were a few in here that I heard of before, of course, like the Paulding lights and, uh, Everybody's got a crybaby bridge. I don't care where you live at. There's one somewhere where you close to where you live at. Um, and of course, the old resurrection Mary story. I, I, I tell you the one the, the the collection of stories that really get me more than anything is because I've had a lot of people send me emails or call me and say, you know, I was in this cemetery and I saw a Bigfoot around the edges of the cemetery or saw a, a dog man around the edges of the cemetery. Those are the ones that just really fascinate me. And the fact that I don't like forested over cemeteries, I don't like cemeteries at all. I mean, I'm intuitive and I get some really weird reactions to cemeteries, but um, the fact that you're there under those pretenses of, visiting your loved ones and you've got this creature just hanging around out there yeah almost as though it's attracted to that place absolutely some reason and and that's the fascinating part is oftentimes as you probably get as well i get people that say they went there because they heard a legend of maybe a a ghost walking the the grounds but yet when they get there they encounter something entirely different that they weren't planning on or that they hadn't even known of um I went to a a conference where after the program, this big burly biker guy came up to me and, you know, the type of guy you wouldn't think would get spooked by anything. Mm -hmm. And he told me him and his buddies went out to see a infamous haunted area in Wisconsin. But when they got there, they were surrounded by hellhounds and he had never heard the legend of the hellhounds being there, but it terrified him so much. uh, They took off as fast as they could on their bikes ended up trying to kick these things when the boots went right through them Mm. that they finally disappeared. But it was another case where, you know, he was kind of shaken telling me the story, the emotions were still running so high, but it was, again, he had never heard hellhound legends there, but yet when he got there, that's what seemed to greet him. Interesting. So you you couldn't attribute that to like a thought form or anything. You, 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 it would have to be something that, most likely is in the area. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just another legend. And uh, these things just seem to pan out when, and under the right conditions, especially, you know, I live near Gettysburg and people talk about stuff showing up all the time. Well, under the right conditions, certain things do show up, but uh, you know, this whole cemetery thing, it just freaks me out. It really does. And I think you did have a story in there about a, um, 
uh, either an upright canine or some kind of creature that was seen in the cemetery. Well, can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, I have a few uh, cemetery okay. um, creatures. Obviously, cemeteries are, are great places. And there's a, a cemetery called Ramsey Cemetery outside of Effingham, Illinois. And the legend is that it's haunted, especially by a man who committed suicide with a shotgun there many uh, decades ago. And they ended up tearing down this old chapel because that's where he had done the deed. And mm-hmm. too many people were legend trippers were going out there. It was a disturbance. But to get to the cemetery, it was exactly what you were describing in your fears of cemeteries. In the middle of nowhere, a gravel road, help is nowhere to be found. And there are several little caves indented into the landscape. And mm. many people have seen what they believe to be a werewolf or a large upright dogman type creature um, living in those caves and chasing them. And again, you're at this haunted, secluded cemetery, which at least has an origin story of a suicide, but yet people are seeing something totally different. And it even happens when people are not actively out there uh, looking for it. People going there to pay their respects to their loved ones who are buried there. They're not Mm -hmm. out legend tripping, monster hunting. They just are in the wrong place or maybe the right place at the right time. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I've even had people tell me that they were at funerals and and would notice something out there. It's like, I mean, even the middle of the day, I've had people, I I had one woman tell me that um, she was at the cemetery visiting a grave and her daughter was in the car and this this upright canine tried to get into the car where this girl was and she had to chase it off. Weird stuff like that. But, you know, as a paranormal investigator, you hear all about, you hear about Bigfoot in particular being around cemeteries and the attraction. Why do you think there is an attraction? I think when people talk about spirits, they talk mm-hmm. about maybe they're feeding off of emotion. Okay. Um, our feelings that, and again, this is all speculation. I certainly right. have more questions than answers, but I would think that um, one, maybe death is fascinating to other beings as much as it is to us, or at least it was until about 50 years ago when we outsourced it all. <laughs> you know, you no longer die at your home. You no longer have the funeral in your parlor, hence the funeral parlor term. Um, right. But also maybe the feeding off of that energy But also, I've done a lot of research into old cemeteries and how they were chosen. And some of them in more areas that were prone to folklore and superstition, they chose the cemetery because it seemed to be an easier portal between our world and the spirit world. So when your loved one passed on, it would be easier for them to travel from this existence to wherever you think they go. But they would also put them on the other side of running water with the belief that spirits could not follow them back to town over the water, much like vampire lore, or they take several routes home. So the spirits could not follow them. So they'd be trapped there in essence. And Mm. maybe that attracts, or maybe these people were subconsciously picking up that these are areas of uh, some sort of sacred uh, area that should be where you put your dead to observe them in the afterlife. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, uh, why do you Why do you think? Why do you think? Big, I mean, that's such a great question. I'd love I, to I don't know. I you know, I I don't know if it's the the energy of the departed or the energy maybe hangs around and they're attracted to that. It just seems bizarre to me. And you're right. I mean, you you go to a cemetery for the most part. Uh, there's a good chance somebody may be there you know, actually visiting. And maybe it's the fascination of, you know, people, these people who, who go there. I don't know. But it, it, it's always interested me um, why they do that. I, I, I think I've been involved with cases other than cemeteries where there would be spirit activity or energy and these cryptids would show up. I'm involved with a case right now with a with dog man, upright canines in Ohio where... Um, there's some very strong spirit activity involved as well. Uh, and it's something we're trying to piece out. I mean, we want to get that part straightened out before we 
start working with these cryptids or whatever these things are. Um, you know, last week we had a um, we had a roundtable about cryptids. And the first question I, I asked everybody was, what do you think cryptids are? What do you think these beings? Are they flesh and blood? Or are they some type of ultra-terrestrial or extra-dimensional being? What are your thoughts on that? I don't think I've ever asked you that. <laughs> yeah, thankfully you haven't. Uh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Um, I find myself probably like a lot of people that have been in this field for quite some time that switching just kind of back and forth where you know, there are certain things where you hear of people finding tracks or hair or droppings, you know, scat, uh, which would indicate that it's somewhat here. Maybe it's flesh and blood like a moose or a bear. Mm -hmm. But then you hear these other cases where people see it and it vanishes right before their eyes. Or there's other mysterious balls of light darting about and they're acting in ways that no being should be able, any known animals should be able to do. So then it leaves you like, it can't be flesh and blood or it can't be here in the way we think it is, at least not 100% of the time. Oh, so, I agree with you. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I guess this, I don't know. <laughs> well, this phenomena, it, it's interesting as time is going on. You know, when I started looking into the, uh, the Bigfoot phenomena 30, 40 years ago, uh, it was like that was what people saw, then that was it. But it seems more and more as we look into it, we're, we're starting to realize there's other activity usually involved with it. Of course, you know, Stan Gord's been talking about UFO and alien activity possibilities with these beings. And um, more and more, we talk to investigators that have orb-like activity and, and possibly spirit energy activity associated with as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that it, it's evolved any differently, but I, I think people are noticing more. I've always changed uh, as well on my questioning that I think in the past, if you were to go to some place with activity, whether it's UFO, haunted, whatever, and you start asking about that specific activity, people take you literally. So when you ask, do you know of any UFO activity in the area? Uh, they might say no, but if you start saying, do you know of any weird legends or any odd activity in the area? They might say, well, there's that sea serpent down by the water. <laughs> yeah. But if you asked about UFOs, they would say nope and kind of move on thinking, well, you're not interested in all the other stuff. And I think in the years past, people were so specific in their research that mm -hmm. UFO mm -hmm. people would not touch cryptids, vice versa. And now you get people like yourself, myself, and many, many others that kind of run the whole spectrum of the paranormal. So you're starting to see maybe some of these connections or correlations. Yeah, it, it's fascinating. And, you know, you it's because when you talk to people, uh, you get a witness that will call you and you start asking them, well, what'd you see? And you get this, this and that. And they'll also, when they're done telling you what happened to them, then they'll say, but you know, something else happened or something else has happened around here. People have seen this or that. Uh, I don't think it's associated. Well, you know, I'm looking into it as well, because that's the first thing I'm looking for an off ramp for, you know, maybe there is a connection. I love when people say, and you probably get this a lot as well, that <laughs> yeah. they start talking about something and then all of a sudden it, it jogs their memory of another, another event. And they say, well, I never really thought that this would be, you know, it never occurred to me that this was out of the ordinary. And then it might be the weirdest thing ever. Uh, I had a woman that I was working with, with the late Craig Lang from Minnesota Mutual UFO Network. And oh, yeah, I know Craig. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Craig was a great guy, and I learned a lot from him. And um, she had gone through a ton of what she thought were abduction scenarios her whole life. And she's rattling off all these weird cases. And then she said, have you ever seen like a five-foot owl in your driveway? And I said, no, I don't know any owl species that get five feet in height. And she was attacked by this bird thing going to work one dark morning, this owl swooping down at her, you know, looking like uh, some Mothman type creature. But it never occurred to her that that might be related to the other stuff going on. It was, wow. you know, it was really weird. So I love when people's memories are jogged of other things and it's kind of a domino effect. You know, it's interesting. You brought up Craig. I remember something he was involved with at a UFO conference where the, one of the attendees, a lady, swore that 
like these men in black guys came into a room and attacked her. Do you remember that case? No, I don't think that, so. Oh my god, yeah, that was um it wasn't too long before he passed away. But uh yeah, I remember I remember reading that. I actually posted a little bit about her on the blog, but that was so bizarre. I mean, it was like she um she had been and it was in California. I know that. And um she had been in her hotel room and these guys busted into her room and she described them as looking like the men in black. And they literally, she was raped. She said, you know, she was supposedly raped and uh, a bunch of weird stuff involved with it. And apparently Craig was, you know, doing some investigating and uh, yeah, I don't know what that was all about, but then I, you know, that, that kind of jogged my memory when you said Craig. <laughs> See, another yeah. jogging of a memory. <laughs> and I mean, with Craig, too, um, we got to start looking at uh, it's amazing how many of these researchers die in odd scenarios where he was at a UFO conference. Yeah. Uh, when he passed. And so that's another yeah. weird thing. Yeah. And you mentioned it in, in your uh, tribute in your book to the, the those legend trippers that had gone through and and given their lives for what they believed and what they investigated. You know, I don't, I don't think the public hears about that a lot, but there we have had a few people that have basically passed away during some type of investigation, mysteriously passed away. Yeah, there are a ton of them. And then they're, they're kind of adjacent deaths. There was a a famous case in Wisconsin back in the 1960s and 70s, this Steinthal thing, they called it, because they didn't know what to call it. It was this giant three green-eyed creature, like a Bigfoot beast, but it had three glowing green eyes that haunted this swampland out and an old abandoned farmhouse that was thought to be haunted too. And um, one day, four uh, teenagers hopped in a car and they went out there that night to see the Steinthal monster, the thing. And apparently they were so spooked, they hightailed it out of there. And about a mile away from the farm, they were struck and three of them were killed by a drunk driver. And Mm. the one who survived said the last thing he remembered was, you know, exiting the place in a hurry because they thought the monster was after them. And then lo and behold, they get hit by another monster and they end up dying legend tripping. Wow. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, You know, I mentioned earlier about these crybaby bridges. I know there's one around here where I live at. I know there was one where I near where I used to live at Maryland. It just seems like they're everywhere. But what are your thoughts on these things? I mean, what is the nexus of these crybaby bridges for the most part, the ones that you've investigated? Well, they, they have to be out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And the older, more rickety, the bridge, the better. Okay. And sometimes they are associated with babies, usually drowning, but they can often incorporate children too. A busload of kids went off the bridge and they drowned and met their watery graves. Usually people died out there. There's uh, right. one outside of uh, in Iowa where a group of high school football players were helping, being good Samaritans, helping someone push their stalled vehicle and another car came behind and killed them and now they haunt the area. So it's always some tragedy that is the origin of these legends. But when you go out there, you start to hear what people think is a baby crying or an infant. And in some cases, it's a toddler or young child like uh, making noises. But if you've ever been out in the wilderness on a bridge with water passing, um, it tends to make some weird noises, but people are dead set that they heard crying. Sometimes it won't even um, be recorded. When you record it, you hear nothing, but to the uh, ear, the human naked ear, they hear crying, Mm. uh, usually of babies. And like you said, they're everywhere. They're ubiquitous. Every town seems to have a crybaby bridge. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I even had a personal experience with, um, there was a, um, there was a Creek in Maryland that I used to fly fish in for trout, uh, Morgan run. And, uh, I was fly fishing. I was out there, I was, you know, and there were some nice pools in around the bridge. So I used to, you know, fly fishing out there 
And one day, and it was during late afternoon, it was still light out, and um, this woman was standing up on the bridge above me. And uh, she said hi to me, and I, she asked, what, you know, how I was doing this and this and that. And she said, let me ask you something. Have you ever heard any weird sounds around here while you've been around the bridge? And I, I said, no. She said, well, you know about the, the story about the woman who threw their ba- her baby off, the, off this bridge, and the baby drowned right where you're fishing at. Uh, no, I never heard that story. Oh, yeah, they call this a crybaby bridge. And that's really the first time I heard that term. Huh. Uh, then, you know, as, as time has gone on, and you know, I started doing investigating and stuff for the blog, and uh, more people were sending me these these sightings. I mean, these uh, these legends or these accounts. I don't know how many are legends or how many are true. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, when I saw it in your book, I thought, well, I was going to ask you that, what you thought the nexus of a lot of these these were. And they're, they're different from La Llorona stories, where it's the same legend of a child dying. Exactly. But yet, in those variations, it's the woman, you know, patrolling the riverbanks, crying out for her lost child. Sometimes she's doing penance for uh, murdering her children. But in the crybaby bridges, it's usually always the children. You know, not oh. the parent that lost or the parent that might be responsible for the um, the death or the uh, killing, but also just the children. Whereas La Llorona stories, it's uh, the exact opposite side. Right. Fascinating how folklore works that way. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, those La Llorona stories are really freaky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, 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 well, it's, you know, you say, well, it's Hispanic legend and this and that, but, you know. I have talked to people in the past who said, oh, no, you know, this has happened. And, you know, we have seen this woman in white wailing for the death of her child and this and that. And, okay, well, you know. And getting back to how these are never standalone things. When I was in Central America, I was looking for La Llorona down there. And one of their local legends of her was that she would appear alongside the riverbanks as a beautiful, gorgeous woman try to lure men into the woods where she would transform into this giant snake Mm. and devour them. And that was a local legend I had never heard of a twist of it. So they had their own cryptid involved there. And usually these things were meant as a uh, cautionary tale to tell men to come home from work to back to the village and, uh, (laughs) you know, don't linger. Yeah. but that was a, a version I'd never heard before of this woman transforming into a giant snake-like beast. Yeah, I've never heard that one. I have heard of these these cryptid mermaids or mermen showing up in these creeks and stuff, and and and, and a lot of those are, are down in Central South America. But I, you know, that that's interesting. Huh. You know, it, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I think the, it really illustrates that a lot of the world takes these legends and folklore uh, in a more serious tone than we do here in the United States. That when you travel abroad and you start looking for some of these legends, they say, stop, what are you doing? We don't go looking for these things. We stay away from them. You know, crazy American, what are you doing looking for these things? Where, <laughs> as you mentioned in the yeah. in the introduction... You know, I was hunting for the Tata Duende and I was at a in Central America, what would be considered a national park here in the U.S. And right. one of the park rangers uh, literally said, don't go looking for it. And I was used to that. And but he was too insistent. So I asked him why. And he ended up telling me a story of him as a child in that area, encountering the Duende, falling under a spell where this little man of the woods was trying to entice him into the woods. And he started walking against his will to the woods under a spell of some sort. And then his mother yelled, you know, come home for dinner at the right moment. And he snapped out of it and he ran home crying to his mother about the Duende trying to abduct him. And you know, he's looking at me like, again, not out of a spite, but out of concern. Don't go looking for it. And even so much that, uh, when I was done with my uh, hike adventure into the woods, I had to come back and check back in with him. So he knew I had made it and wasn't trapped out there. Mm. 
you know, those Duendo stories really freak me out. Um, I, I, I think you probably remember the, the so-called photograph of one of these Duendes. On, I think it was Argentina where they saw this thing, the picture of it in the dark, uh, the, the silhouette of this thing with the cap and, uh, yes. you know, that weird stuff. Uh, I've heard of Duendes in trees and, mm-hmm. you know, just showing up here and there. But that, that kind of freaks me out. But I have had a few of those in the past. Uh, interesting stories. And again, the Duende, which for a, if you're not familiar, any of the listeners or viewers, a diminutive creature of the woods usually has a giant hat or a sombrero. Sometimes its feet are pointed backwards so nobody can track it. Mm. Even though everybody knows its feet are pointed backwards. <laughs> uh, carries a hatchet or a sword or a machete and is a protector of the woods or jungles. And it has a lot of trickster components to it, you know, that it, it tends to try to outsmart you or trick you. And sometimes it can be helpful leading lost travelers back to civilization. But other times it is said it will bring you to its lair and you'll never come back. Kind of reminds me of the old Leshy stories coming out of the dark woods of Europe. Uh, this tree, this tree or plant spirit of the woods that would, uh, I, I don't know if it would capture people or send them in the wrong direction or something, but you know, when, when you get, when you get witnesses from mostly Eastern Europe, they talk about these leshies, bizarre, bizarre stuff. Yeah, and now we're getting into cultures and peoples all over the world in the old days when they weren't connected, all having similar stories and legends of similar creatures Mm-hmm. And you and I talked about this with the Wendigo of people all over Canada and the Great Lakes and on the eastern edge of the U.S. all believing in these similar creatures when, you know, there was no Internet where you could just Google these stories. There was no, you know, you weren't out there putting these stories out for people. So you wonder, were all these people encountering different things or similar things? It just it seems too um specific to be just random similarities you know i i I just put a book out about uh these pale crawler humanoids and similar things to that and um of course when you get people talking about wendigo and you know people all kinds of people have different definitions of wendigos and of course you 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 have said in the past you need in your book about it being a cannibalistic type possession of a Mm -hmm. of a human but um we also get these, um, you know, people compare them to these, these pale humanoids that are the memes or whatever they are. I, I don't know, but uh, we do get a lot of those. We get a lot of those sightings. Uh, people call them rakes, flesh gates, this and that, and you know, where they, you know, what's the nexus of these things? Are we dealing with something that's, you know, a new type of humanoid that, who knows? But. Uh, I mean, how many of those do you get? Do you get a lot of those type of sightings as well? I do. I get quite a few where people, they don't put a title on it or they mm-hmm. don't specifically say it was this or that. Mm-hmm. They describe something. And and what I'm fascinated by is that the legends and the descriptions I'm getting in modern times of what people believe is a Wendigo are much different than the original lore. But it makes sense that legends from 400 years ago are going to be different than today's legends that perhaps not only folklore has progressed and morphed, but maybe the creatures or spirit, whatever they are, maybe they have adapted and progressed as well. That maybe that's what they do look like today. Maybe 400 years ago they didn't, but that's what we're dealing with today. Interesting. That, that's interesting. That's an interesting theory. I, you know, honestly, I, I don't even think I thought about that. Uh, but, you know, I, I made it to the, the that these may be possibly tulpas or, or thought forms and, um, you know, or memes or, you know, where people uh, have manifested these things, my manifestation. I don't know. You know, it, it, it's uh, it's a real question. I mean, and the book itself is kind of put out there to where, you know, I let the reader kind of decide what they thought it was. I just gave them examples for the most part and gave a, a few theories. But, you know, this is just, you know, talk. people talk about the paranormal. I mean, this is just something else that we're dealing with, something else that's more 
recent as far as what people are describing. But then again, it may be something that's been there all along that we just recognize as something else. A lot of people in this field, I think, get kind of closed off because um, I always say that when you're dealing with the weird, what's too weird? Where do you draw the line? And for a lot of people, they have a line that they draw where, oh, that story's just too outrageous. It can't be true. Yeah. So if I think if I went with that same basic principle, I would have missed out on a lot of stories that remember when the first Chupacabra story started coming out. Mm-hmm. Imagine if people would have said, oh, that's too weird. That can't be real. You know, there's no history of it. Well, you know, it can't be uh, going on. So where do you draw the line for a lot of people? They draw it pretty close to themselves where for me, I'll listen to somebody, but doesn't mean I believe it. For instance, after a conference, a guy came up to me and said, you have to come to my farm, my land. We have a bunch of Bigfoot creatures out there. So I was with some colleagues. It was about 8.39 p.m. I said, great, let's go. And he said, oh, I should warn you, though, you probably won't be able to see them. They're in a different dimension that only I can see them. So <laughs> I was a little disappointed, but still, okay, let's go. And then he said, oh, But just to warn you, they're just like us. They're having barbecues, they swimming pools. And so at that point, you know, your enthusiasm dies a little bit. But yet, who knows? You know, I like to think they're having barbecues and swimming. (laughs) You know, am I going going to stake it out for three months? No, but I like to think so. (laughs) That's funny. I, I, you know, I've, I've had people tell me similar stuff, but not, not maybe not that off, off the cuff, but that's interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, there's one phenomenon you wrote about in a book that I, I, that keeps coming back to me because I've had several people in, have, you know, have seen this thing. That's the Paulding Lights. And uh, I, I, I am going to preface this by telling you that I did have one encounter when this, this pe- these people went to see the Paulding lights and uh, they were, I forget the name of the road. I, I forget what part of Michigan street Mars. I don't forget the name of the town, but anyway, they, they saw the light and it was in the early evening. And as they were driving, they took a photograph somehow out of the back of the car. And this alien this bright blue alien being was sitting in the back seat. Hmm. I've got the photograph. And you're thinking, okay, now what does this have to do with the polling lights? But, uh, you know, I have had other people who have experienced weird stuff as they were going to this location or at the location of those lights. What are the polling lights to you? What do many people think they are? And what's the, what's the reason for all this weirdness? So just right over the Wisconsin border is Waters Meet, uh, the polling light. Uh, if you're familiar with spook lights, you'll be familiar with the Paulding light. It's on uh, an old railroad track power line area. So it goes down into a valley and then back up. And many people, and you're trying to set me up for hate mail here. And I'll tell you why, because <laughs> I put on my website about the Paulding light that the first time I went up there, mm-hmm. what I saw were uh, headlights coming from a nearby road with my telescope just before dark. That's what I saw. Mm-hmm. So I put that on my website, but I also put stories from people I interviewed that were there and said they were chased by this light that was under some intelligent control, that it was moving through the woods where they left their gear and they ran, or that they had all kinds of mechanical problems there. Uh, first time I was there with my colleague, Terry Fisk, he had, uh, he had driven us up in his brand new vehicle and uh, we were just leaving made it into the downtown of the tiny town and the police pulled him over and said, your lights aren't working. And he said, that's impossible. Brand new car working, but we got out with the officer and the lights were not working Mm -hmm. and shut the car off, started up, worked perfectly. Never had the problem again. Um, And I wrote all of this. So I just wrote both sides of it. And out of any other legend I ever investigated, I got more people uh, contacting me saying, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, the Paulding lights are real and they could be, but from what I saw the first time anyway, uh, was not the Paulding light. And then when you talk to people, they say, oh yeah, the Paulding light, it changes in size, shape and color and maneuvers around. 
And it's definitely something you, when you see it, you're not going to think headlights or taillights. Plus, the legend predates any vehicles being in the area. So mm-hmm. you have that as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it seems like every time somebody writes me about this phenomenon, it's not about the actual light itself. It's about being in the area and strange things happening. Uh, a lot of times, I mean, I know I know of one, another one, where this, uh, this person saw an upright canine coming out of the woods as they were driving towards, the, you know, very near, and they could see it in the distance, but they saw this thing coming out of the woods nearby. You know. So I don't know. It's it's just it's just something in and you know you're right. You know, people get really defensive about their their local phenomena or something they're really into. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, you know, they take pride and I think yeah. I love that uh, about it, but I, I think we have to be open to all possibilities that I'm convinced a lot of people that are looking at the Paulding light are looking at a mysterious, unknown, unidentified object moving about i'm also convinced that some people are seeing uh headlights or taillights or other natural phenomena um but you know you try to put that out in some measured way and uh, you know i would receive it on both sides from skeptics who say why are you even investigating this stuff there's nothing to it and mm-hmm. then diehard believers saying well you've debunked the origin story of this man who was said to have killed his family. What are you doing? I was there. I had an experience. So you Mm kind of get up from both sides when you try to move down the middle of the road. And I always try to, in my mind, think that I'm trying to sort fact from fiction that present the best research I can on these things and allow the reader, the viewer, whoever to come to their own conclusion. Exactly. You know, hopefully they don't take my word for it either way. They take their own word for it after, you know, visiting and doing their own research. Because half the time, I don't know what to think of these things. Well, I I can agree with you there. I mean, that's what I like to do. Um, You know, I'll give them what I know and, you know, present the history and everything. And, you know, if, if they've got their own conclusion, that's fine with me. You know, you can think anything you want, but absolutely. Um. There's another phenomenon that you got in the book. And I don't know if this is the actual original Resurrection Mary. Are there other Resurrection Mary stories out there? There are. I mean, the most infamous is outside of Chicago and Justice. But there are other vanishing hitchhikers, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of them overwhelmingly in pre-1980s were women hitchhikers and male drivers. Uh, which was, there have been a lot of studies done since the 1940s on the phenomena. And I was amazed to find that how many of the drivers were males that encountered the the vanishing hitchhiker on the side of the road. Today, that's shifting a lot more to being a lot of females encountering it and even some male vanishing hitchhikers as well. But the majority would be of that vanishing woman. But Resurrection Mary is the most infamous in the U.S., um, and nobody knows who she may have been. There's a lot of legends about how she went to the old Willowbrook ballroom, attended a dance, and then was going home and was involved in a car accident. And now she patrols Archer Avenue, you know, in an old uh, formal gown that you'd expect from the swinging 30s uh, type. And people have claimed to have picked her up and given mm-hmm. her rides, and she disappears in front of Resurrection Cemetery. And they saw her walk out toward it. And just, I even heard legends talking to people that a lot of saloons and bars along the the road would put a Bloody Mary on their bar every night just in case she stopped in. And again, that just showcases how these these legends, they permeate into everything. That Mm. I don't really think the bartenders expected a spirit to walk in and drink a Bloody Mary. Uh, but yet they did it just out of that that fun of the legend. Wow. Yeah, and we've all heard these stories about the, the vanishing hitchhikers and those type of things. Um, I know there's a road up in Maine, particularly in Maine, not far from Portland, where I people have talked about picking up several type of hitchhikers, male and female. And they just they they get in the car, they go a certain distance, they're talking to them, and then they vanish. You know, mm-hmm. they're nowhere to be found. Um, 
I had a story of a guy up in um, up near Mount Shasta, you know, and then there's all these legends about Mount Shasta. But um, he he said he had a um, he had been going down the road. He saw this guy hitchhiking him and his, a guy and a woman were hitchhiking. He uh, stopped and picked them up. They looked indigenous. I think he said they looked indigenous. They got in the back of the car. Uh, he was talking to him, and they were telling him about the the Bigfoot legend at Shasta, Mount Shasta, and this and that. And then suddenly they disappear. Weird stuff, you know. So I don't know, you know that that's some really strange stuff. I wonder how long these are going to go on because no one stops for hitchhikers anymore. No, you know nobody. If you're smart, cares. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So are they going to, I wonder in 50 years from now, if there people are going to say vanishing hitchhiker, what is that? <laughs> you know, because these legends and that brings up a, a greater point of, you know, what happens to these legends? There's a, a famous legend here in Wisconsin called Haunchyville and mm-hmm. it's little people, not gnomes, but uh, you know, dwarf um, of people. Um, and they were thought to be old circus performers that all gathered in this small area and they had an, average size human with a shotgun protecting them, you know, and it was this wooded area, deep, dark forested area. And the legend was, if you went in, you'd be chased off by this caretaker with the shotgun who would blast at you protecting the, the haunches as they were called. But I, I was there just recently and the forest is almost gone. It's all big McMansions now. Mm-hmm. So you wonder what happens, what happens to the haunted, hotel when it's now a parking lot for target you know what happens with these stories <laughs> yeah yeah you're right i mean uh maybe it's good people like you do do write about them and you have some type of record of them well that that keeps me motivated to do a new book because uh the book i might have previously done is so outdated now because these things change so much yeah my first book was on a uh, wisconsin road guide to haunted locations back in 2003 and i just recently uh went back to the original text of that and uh, we had updated it many times over the years but upwards of 40 percent of the businesses and places are different now mm. from just two decades ago you know, somebody asked a question in here, Scarborough Sasquatch Day. He wanted to know if you've heard of any type of um, human-looking shaman seen among cryptids and photos. Have you ever heard anything like that? Gosh, I haven't. Have you? No, I've never heard anything. That's new to me. That would be awesome. <laughs> That's why I mentioned that. I, I have never heard anything like that. Uh, that's weird. I, I No, I haven't heard that. You know, the closest I heard is from some indigenous cultures that would mm-hmm. tell me that they'd often be doing their drumming circles, uh, usually at night, and they would see what they would, what we would consider a Sasquatch or Bigfoot on the edge of the woods, kind of hanging out there. I've had that too. Yeah, but not not so much like they're on a expedition together. Yeah, I yeah, I've I've had people tell me that had been. Uh, a drum circle and they would know the strange things and it's usually by a stream or a creek mm-hmm. and on the other side they would see strange things uh maybe a bigfoot or something but yeah absolutely i i have heard that yeah and wow. that, that makes me wonder if it's just their curiosity coming in or if there's something that you can almost conjure it forward uh that there's something with the drumming or the energy or whatever it is that is bringing these things forward more so than just they're curious of what all this noise in their neighborhood is. Interesting. Mm. So, you know, this book, but maybe not this book in particular, what's some of the strangest dares that you've ever heard about? Well, I'm, I'm fascinating because a lot of the dares involve three. You have to do things three times, either yeah. uh, knock on a mausoleum three times and it will open uh a demon-like creature will come out after you. Um, I like some of the the interesting ones um, where you have to do something very specific, not just uh, Resurrection Mary. You drive down Archer Avenue and she will appear, that you have to uh, do something. And there's a a place in northern Wisconsin where it's thought to be haunted in Fifield by a woman who lost her children and herself when she tried to 
beat a train over a railroad track and she crashed. And like many other stories around the U.S., the children now push your car over the 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 uphill over the railroad tracks so you don't suffer the same fate. But there's also a legend that right next to it are a series of wooded areas that if you grab a rock and throw it into the woods, that rock will be thrown right back at you by little gnome-like people, you know, fairy folk, if you will. And that where that started and, you know, how it was that you'd even start throwing rocks into the woods and yet have them thrown right back at you. Those are the stories I like that. Yeah. Um, there's also down in Kiwani, Illinois, the legend of a deer man, part human, part deer. Um, depending on who you talk to, the top is human or the top is deer and the bottom vice versa. Mm -hmm. But the legend there is that if you see it uh, more than once, if you see it on your third time, you'll die. And there was a, a fascinating newspaper article written several decades ago about a man who went out there and saw it two different times. And then he moved away so he'd never see it the third time, mm. you know, because he didn't want to die. But it took three times for this cryptid to keep track of how many times you spotted it in order for bad luck to, to happen. And that happens quite a bit uh, where a lot of these dares are said that you have to go there three times in order for something to actually occur. Wow. Uh, I want to thank Scarborough Sasquatch for their donation. Very much appreciated. Um, yeah, you know, you, you you hear a lot of this this stuff, these legends near these railroad tracks, like you said, where there's been an accident and, and people will park near the uh, <laughs> will park near the the stop where, you know, you're supposed to stop or the track goes across the road and they feel like something's pushing it. It's so weird. And there's actually a place here in Western Pennsylvania where people go and they have that same phenomena. And uh, I, weird. You know, and these uh, are, in my, in my research, these are different places than your spook hills or your gravity roads where yeah. you park at the bottom of what appears to be an upward slope and your car pushes. Right. These are more spirit oriented where the people, uh, Munger Road, uh, north of Chicago, in Illinois, um, same thing. Some kids were involved in a van or bus accident on the railroad tracks, and now they push your car to safety. And we were talking off uh, air about my interest in old hobo legends. Mm -hmm. And so many of them involve train tracks. Again, you could write an entire book about train legends and lore. So I'm always fascinated that obviously uh, you don't hear many hobos anymore, uh, roaming the riding the rails, but yet their legends of these stories still persist. Interesting, yeah, it is interesting. Um, I, I, you know, I, that's right. You know, and I was thinking that's right when these these uh, the, the, the these um, cars where people will put sprinkle powder in the back of the car and they see the handprint show up. I uh, I I think there's um, there's a place near Houston, Texas, where they have done that several times and it seems many times that these handprints show up in that in in the powder of the car yeah it's, you uh, can sprinkle baby powder or flour yeah. um another fun uh, legend of a supernatural dare is in iowa at this cemetery where this young girl named anna weiss uh many many years ago she was brutally murdered and they never found her um a killer and that dare is that if you go out to the gravesite and say her name three times, the name of her murderer will appear on the gravestone in front of you. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for me, it never showed up when I did the dare uh, several times. But I thought that was an interesting twist of her spirit wouldn't show up, but she would release the name of her murderer on the uh, gravestone. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I've never heard anything like that. I mean, there's so many these these cemetery legends. I mean, it really is. It's um, and like I told you, I hate these. I hate those cemeteries. And down at, when I used to live down in Maryland, we used to run into a lot of these things out. You're in a, a, a urban area, or just outside of an urban area, and you know there would had been like 200, 300 year old cemeteries where. The uh, the forest would actually grow up into the cemeteries and it had crypts all tore up and everything. But I always got such a freaky 
weird sensation being in those places. And I can imagine that people would, the dare legends would really spring up a lot of times with these type of places. They do. There's a, a fun one um, in Beaver, Minnesota, um, a old abandoned graveyard. And same thing, forest covers it everywhere. And there's a ring of trees that uh, if you walk through the gap, there's a series of old gravestones there. Mm-hmm. And the legend is if you walk into this circle of trees, this cursed circle, bad things will happen to you. And then when you come out, more bad luck will befall you. And when I was first there, I was filming the dare um, and I had my tripod outside of the ring of trees and I was inside and I was halfway through my jabbering about the legend. When I see on a non-windy day, my tripod just fall over and break the camera. Mm. Um, luckily, I was able to grab another one and do it and it worked fine. But it was just that that oddity of, well, that's strange. That's never happened to me before. And it just so happens I'm at a cursed cemetery where that takes place but you know knock on wood i'd rather lose a camera than my life so <laughs> I, I i agree with you so um chad what's what's upcoming for you uh what projects you working on how can people get a hold of you obviously my website's the easiest um otherwise as you said in the intro go to the weirdest spot you can think of and you'll probably find me there. And (laughs) I'm always working on new stuff. Uh, Any legend, I just, no matter what it is, I'm fascinated by it. So, you know, I have like you and everybody else in this field, I have like 12 other projects going at the same time. Yeah. 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 I agree. Well, folks, you know, if you've got something, if you've got a weird legend or something just known in your area, I would definitely get a hold of Chad. Um, and what's the website, uh, URL? Yeah. Just Chad Lewis research. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Chad, Hey, it's great having you. I love having you come on here and talking about this weird stuff. Uh, you know, I, 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 you, when you, we first started talking to you, we were talking about the van meter, uh, visitor. Have you had any follow-ups on that? Yeah, there have been some recent uh, sightings, uh, not just in Van Meter, which is a small town southwest of Des Moines, but in the region. And uh, as you and I were talking earlier about TV shows, I just did one of Josh Gates's new show, oh. and they did one on the Van Meter visitor um, with some new witnesses I put them in touch with that recently had seen giant bat-like creatures. One was a, a pastor. Right? Yeah, so uh, you can check that out. Don't blame me if you don't like the episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, their conclusion was a little different than mo- most people would come to, but um, okay, a lot of fun. Check it out. Yeah, the Van Meter visitors still getting reports of these flying creatures in Iowa. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that was uh, that was a great book, and uh, I think we got two shows out of that at one at one point. So I think so. Yeah. So hey. Thanks again for coming on, and uh, we will definitely have you come back on again and talk some more. Thanks, and keep an eye out. I will. You take care. So, um, you know, uh, if you had an encounter or sighting uh, read on the show, please forward to me in an email. Uh, I want to again thank Chad Lewis for joining me this evening, and uh, and thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. If you made a super chat donation, it's truly appreciated. Your support is what makes this all possible. Please like and subscribe. Uh, and if you had an unexplained encounter, Sunday, feel free to contact me directly uh, at launchstrickerfamsofmonsters.com uh, or through the Fams of Monsters blog site as well. Uh, my new book, The Meme Humanoids, Modern Myths, or Real Monsters, is now available on Amazon. And next week, we will have Pennsylvania Krypton UFO investigator and author Stan Gordon joining me. His new book, Crypty Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters in Pennsylvania, was just released. Uh, this should be an interesting and, as always, an entertaining discussion. So, folks, until next week, stay healthy and have a safe and enjoyable weekend. Good night.